0: Louise McSharry on Two FM.
1: Now, though, it is time for us to talk pop culture, as we do every single Sunday at ten thirty. Today, we are joined by Connor Bean, who, obviously, you know, is Two FM presenter and journalist. Hello, Connor.
0: Good morning, Louise. How are you?
1: I am very well, thank you. <clears throat> but very sad to hear the news of Nikki Graham's death.
0: I know. I mean, this is sort of a story that emerged just yesterday, so maybe people haven't heard or just saw a headline. Of course, Nikki Graham, a Big Brother star from season seven of Big Brother, which aired in 2006, which is wild to think about because, as you mentioned earlier in the show, she is still so quoted and referenced all the time from that time on the show. Yeah. So we found out that she died at the age of 38. A statement from her representative confirmed she had passed away in the early hours of Friday morning. And she'd sort of kind of come back into the public consciousness a bit a few weeks ago or a bit a month ago because she'd been receiving treatment for an eating disorder at a specialist clinic in London after a GoFundMe which is a fundraising website, was set up by friends and fans to raise money for the services, as mm-hmm. people may or may not know. Eating disorder um, specialists and stuff can be very expensive, particularly here and in the UK. So the GoFundMe raised nearly £70,000 sterling, and on that page as well, they kind of confirmed the news, and they were saying it broke their hearts that someone who's so precious to us was taken away at such a young age. Um, Nikki Graham has spoken, had spoken over the course of her career, I suppose, about her struggle with anorexia. She wrote two books about it and there was actually a clip going yesterday when she went on Ultimate Big Brother where she was talking with Vanessa Feltz about her experience with anorexia and her body image so it's something she was known to I guess struggle with and she was very open about it as well which is I suppose impressive because it's still something that we struggle to talk about because it's such a a debilitating illness
1: yeah and i mean i think anyone who has any experience or knowledge of eating disorders knows that it is um you know really a lifelong thing for most people and um it is so sad and it's and it's so sad in the context of the knowledge of the total well not total lack but virtually total lack of services available um you know it's services are really hard to access in this country really hard and there just simply aren't enough of them there aren't enough beds and um you know it's terrible to hear about nikki but also to know that there are so many people who are struggling in the same way in ireland and of course in the uk um so i hope she just gets some peace now really
0: yeah same and i mean it's, it's it's no way. She was so young and had achieved a lot and has left a mark on popular culture and, and I know people were sharing information around anorexia and other eating disorders yesterday and a lot of people did point out that, you know, in Ireland, there are big concerns around services and access and things but you can speak to uh, charities like Body Wise which is BOD Y-W-H-Y-S, that's their charity name. You can go on their website, bodywise.ie, and there's a phone line and, and uh, kind of information for either people who maybe are struggling themselves or perhaps people who want to inform themselves, excuse me, inform themselves, because I think sometimes these high-profile cases, as tragic as they are, can there can be a slight silver lining of, hey, let's actually educate ourselves about what maybe we as people who don't experience this, what are we not getting, or what can we say if we know someone who is, who is suffering? How can we be more compassionate or come at it from a more understanding?
1: Yeah, absolutely, and it's also important to say that recovery is possible, um, and you know, unfortunately, sometimes it does end this way, but recovery is possible, and um, you know, if you can, if you can get treatment, you can have a different life. Yeah. Um, so okay, um, R.I.P. Nikki Graham. Um, now we've got. Like, we need to move basically into Kardashian Corner now because there's loads <laughs> well, of little stories when about. Is it not, like. <laughs> yeah, we've got loads of little stories about Kardashian or Kardashian adjacent, adjacent. people today. Um, so, let's start with um, staying with, I suppose, bodies, even though, you know, yeah. obviously bo- eating disorders are a lot more complex than just, um, you know, body image. Chloe um, Kardashian, there was a big story about her this week.
0: Yes, yeah, so this is one of those, I mean, I was covering entertainment news in 2FM this week and I was joking one of my bulletins that this is kind of the Streisand effect in full flow again. But basically, Khloe Kardashian has been in the headlines for the last week and an unedited photo of her made its way online and then was circulated because people picked up on the fact that the photos seemed different to what Chloe and a lot of her sisters put up, which is very stylized, very filtered images, so the picture there are rumours of the picture it was actually posted by Chloe's grandma MJ people will know from Keeping Up with the Kardashians Um, a statement said it was from an assistant I just love the idea that like your granny yeah Post the wrong photo. That's probably the most relatable part of this whole story. Yeah, because
1: I saw the photo, right? And the photo was not bad. It just looked like a normal photo of a normal, very fit person. It was just that the lighting wasn't great and maybe it wasn't the best angle, but like it wasn't, you know, it wasn't like you were looking at a completely different person. It was just like the same way back in the day, your friend might've put a photo on Facebook and you'd be like, untag, untag, untag. Yes, very Um, bad. This was kind of like a heightened version of that because of course (laughs) it went all over the internet. Chloe was like, I do not want millions of people to see this photo.
0: Yes. And it becomes this weird chicken and egg scenario where, you know, the photos started getting removed from outlets and tweets. And it was, I found this slightly like, I'm always a bit low to stop at this in this way because it sounds a bit conspiracy theorist. But there were people posting the image, having the tweets removed almost instantly. People even just talking about it were having the tweets removed. And that did rub me the wrong way that like if you're a Kardashian and you have enough PR way behind you, you can get social media companies to bend over backwards. Whereas we know that women in particular get a lot of abuse online yeah. and the accounts never really get impacted or taken down. So I thought that was a bit weird. But anyway, the photo was being pulled and then because the photo's being pulled, the more people want to see it. And so this back and forth about like, she shouldn't be embarrassed. As you say, she just looks like a regular fit person in this photo. What's the obsession? And this ran for a few days and then... Kind of late Thursday evening, early Friday morning, our time, Chloe released a lengthy Instagram statement with videos. Basically, she posted what she said was an unedited picture of herself. She posted videos from an Instagram Live she'd done, which is, I guess, her way of saying, well, if it's on Instagram Live. I can't edit it, so here's what I really look like. The statement was very long, but so, there was various parts of it that stood out. She said, in truth, the pressure, constant ridicule and judging my entire life to be perfect and to meet other standards of how I should look has been too much to bear. And she talked a lot about... How, if you remember when the Kardashians rose to fame, Chloe was always pegged as a quote-unquote ugly, quote-unquote fat sister because she was taller and, I guess, not as thin as the rest and of them. I mean, P.S., it's bonkers. And she
1: has never been fat. Right. <laughs> and it's just...
0: So she was talking about she finds the standard she's put up to unbearable. And it's, this is a tricky one because there was stuff she said in that statement that I thought, you know what? You're right. Yep. Even if you're very famous, you are allowed to feel how you feel about your body. She talked about how her photos and her image are micro-analyzed and people will make fun of them to the smallest detail. And Something in it that really stood out to me in a kind of slightly sad way that I wish more people talked about was, at one point in the statement, she actually says, for years you called me fat and ugly. And when I try and prove you wrong by working out and quote-unquote improving my body, I still can't win. And I remember thinking, that's where we're all going wrong. Thinking, yeah. I'm going to show them by losing this weight or I'm yeah. going to show them by being quote-unquote hotter. Like It's yeah. like, Chloe, if you had... I wish we lived in a world where you could have said 10 years ago, F off. I feel amazing or I'll do what I want. Yeah. So the
1: conversation it's,
0: split a little bit there, I think because yeah, it's it, tricky.
1: It is. Look, it's very tricky. And of course, like, of course, Chloe has been damaged by the conversation about her body and, and, you know, living in the world where she is literally, And she's right. Every photo of her is analyzed within an inch of its life. And that must be extremely difficult. And I'm not surprised she has, you know, body image issues. And I'm not. And I and I also think, you know, it is human to be like, I actually don't like that photograph of of myself. And, you know, I don't really want a lot of people to see that. That's fair enough. I think the problem is she doesn't seem to realize that through, you know, becoming this person and like having a show called Revenge Body and having Having multiple surgeries and having a book and like focusing so much on body image. She has contributed she and her sisters have contributed and in many ways created the beauty ideal that she is now saying it's hard to live up against so you know it's tricky because on the one hand as you say you are sympathetic and, and it is you know I don't want any woman to live with the unhappiness and the obsession and the the, you know, feeling of worth being attached completely to their bodies. And I know because I've lived it mm-hmm. and I know I don't want any woman to live that way. But as a Kardashian, you can't bemoan the fact that there is an unrealistic beauty standard and that it is impossible to live up to without acknowledging that you helped create that very beauty standard.
0: Right. It's it's this thing where Chloe Kardashian, for all her wealth and status, is feeling... The effects of a machine that makes us all feel a lot particularly particularly women, but she's also now, as you mentioned, because of her status and growing change in celebrity culture, is now a huge cog in that machine. And yeah. I think the problem is, and the Kardashians are very good at spin and self-promotion, but they're also very good at moving slightly past the rub for a lot of people, which is I don't really care if Chloe had her ass done or her face done or no. changed her nose. I'm I'm very much like do what you want. Yes. But when you kind of say completely skirt around what we can see is a very obvious change and then say, well, you actually can't comment at all. It's like, well, there's a huge difference between people in your DMs calling you horrible things and calling you a liar and people just seeing you on TV and noticing in one hour of a TV show you look five different ways. Like there has to be a little bit of self-awareness of even just saying, hey, we get stuff done and we work out and we have a team of nutritionists or whatever, this sort of attempt to deny what is very clear in front of people i think is the slight annoyance here because yeah. as you say i'd never want someone to feel bad about their bodies particularly no. when we're talking about someone in the public eye who's you know died because of their issues with you know uh, around body and their mental state and that kind of thing by the same token i think we need a little bit more a little bit more nuance and it's slightly frustrating because the kardashians have such a big platform when they come out and make this statement it changes the conversation everyone just goes yeah it's her choice to do that and it's like sure but we should be able to have a nuanced conversation about it. if you alter your appearance, that is that's a kind of game changer that isn't as simple as, oh, I just filtered because I felt like it. Yeah. You know, it's it's tricky.
1: Yeah, it is tricky. It's very it's complicated. It's yeah. there's no two ways about it. Um okay, very quickly, Caitlin Jenner is considering running for gov for governor of California.
0: Yeah, so this story is broken by the <sighs> website Axios earlier this week and there's been more reporting around it. So um, in California, basically, the current uh, governor is a guy called Gavin Newsom, who is a Democrat, and there has there is an upcoming election that has two parts. One is to. Are, um, you basically vote if you want him removed and if you do want him removed who you're voting for the Republican side of things in California are circling different candidates um, to try and oust Newsom and have like because California is seen as kind of a blue uh, state in that regard yeah. so Caitlyn Jenner is a name that's emerged someone who could be interested Politico has reported that this week she's going to sit down with a bunch of Republican advisors and look at her options and what she's going to do I mean it's people from the Republican end of things, including a guy called Brad who who is a campaign manager for Donald Trump. So of there seems to be this argument amongst the sources that have spoken in reports that basically they think someone like Caitlyn Jenner, who is you know one of the most high-profile transgender women in the world, but also probably the most high-profile transgender Republican, yeah. could maybe win over either a middle ground of voters or people on the left who are... There has been some back and forth about how Gavin Newsom has handled COVID in California, mm-hmm. and they seem to think Jenner could win over more people but it's yeah. also that thing it's a stunt uh, yeah. in a way when a celebrity comes into this race and I think post whatever I would say Ernest Schwarzenegger being governor of California back in the day I think post Trump people are very wary of celebrities entering into politics because however you might have felt about Donald Trump and there's plenty of reasons to not like him, I guess. People always pointed out he didn't have the experience for the role he was in and it had real consequences. So yeah. even on a smaller governor level, I mean, I'm here for the, the kind of camp sideshow of Caitlin, I don't know, on the campaign trail for all my sins. But like, I don't know if it's good news for California. No. Probably
1: not. I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't see it happening anyway. And no. then quickly, Kanye West. There's a documentary coming out about him, apparently, via Netflix.
0: Yes, yeah, so Billboard broke this story this week that Netflix have signed, have snapped up a documentary series all about Kanye's life. They've said it's 21 years in the making because if you're a Kanye fan at all, you'll know that he has had documentary crews filming stuff for himself for the whole course of his career. Constantly. To, constantly. So yeah. it's said to look at everything from his, the death of his mother, Donda West, to his attempt to run for president last year. It's an F made by a documentary duo who've made other films about high-profile people for ESPN, but also have directed music videos for Kanye in the past. There was a report this show was bought for $30 million, but Variety came out and said that that wasn't the case, but they did pay a hefty sum. So it's reportedly coming out next year. How biased or unbiased it will be, I don't know, because it's coming kind of from Kanye himself effectively, but the amount of footage and access this doc will have will put it, I think in a very high kind of rare field of music docs that have so much access to the star in question.
1: I will 100% watch. Um, yes. And we don't even have to talk about it. Kim Kardashian has been named <laughs> a billionaire apparently by Forbes. No one needs a billion dollars. <laughs>
0: Kim, can you revolute me like a tenor for brunch?
1: Just even a grant. Yeah, I'll take it. Even a grant? Even a grant. Yeah,
0: because you're a billionaire. I like mean, what's sneezing. a grant? Yeah, exactly. It's yeah. a fiver like.
1: Um, okay, we've got lots more to talk about including Jedward taking on The X Factor and Simon Cowell um, and I have music from Harry Styles after this Louise
0: McSherry on 2FM had that
1: song stuck in my head all week Harry Styles and Golden on 2FM we are joined by Connor Bean. we are talking pop culture and I yes. suppose Connor it is apt that I played a Harry Styles yeah. uh, song <laughs> right about. before we talk about <laughs> Jedward taking on The X Factor and Simon Cowell
0: Yes, so Jedward, I mean, their social media presence in the last year has it's become a talking <laughs> point for a lot of people. Um, this, this In this last week, they have proven their, their social media metal again, I suppose. They've been talking a lot about the X Factor, Simon Cowell, and I guess what they're alleging is the mistreatment of artists uh, both on the X Factor and the music industry in general. So it kicked off with them saying they tweeted that their biggest regret in life was not telling the judges to F off on the X Factor. Mm-hmm. And they were talking about the shadiness that they allege is kind of everywhere in the music industry. They were saying that they saw One Direction's contract once because they at one point shared a management team and they were sent to them by mistake instead of their one. And they realised how badly they say bands like One Direction are treated. They were saying Simon Kyle thinks he's the mafia leader of the music industry when in reality he's nothing but a bad facelift and they allege that every contestant on the x factor was a slave to the show and got paid zero while they made millions and they talked about what they claim is kind of the way artists are put on the brink of collapse that overtouring and overworking artists leaves them kind of um worn out and, and maybe sick or needing of help and it's just not given to them and it's funny because it started this sort of chain reaction of them talking about it more and more, but other X Factor people coming out. So Lily Allen praised him and said, I think more men need to talk about how there's so much mistreatment going on in the music business. But then Rebecca Perth Ferguson, who was on the X Factor, she was tweeting this week about a campaign she's doing to have a, an ombudsman created in the UK for the creative industries. She's actually meeting with the secretary of state in the UK next month to Oliver Dowden, who's over digital culture, media and sport to ha- talk about her kind of campaign. Cheryl Lloyd got in on the action she released a TikTok video where she sings lyrics and say, how could I be so naive? They sold me the dream just to exploit me, exploit me, said, darling, darling, you go far if you shake that ass and date a star. If the record's taken off, we'll take the money. So a lot of people who are still like, I mean, are they having number one singles right now? No, but they are still recognizable names who had to have something to lose by talking about this they, and who have all come from the X actor world, have been very vocal in the last week about what they claim is. You know, a culture and a mistreatment of artists that runs quite deep in the music business.
1: Yeah, there was all kinds of stuff that came up, like uh, them being like heavily, heavily controlled and restricted in terms of what they were allowed to say mm-hmm. in interviews. About artists being like blocked and blacklisted by the industry based on kind of. You know, Rebecca Ferguson said essentially that she kind of hadn't had a bad meeting with uh, someone who was very senior in the music industry and therefore was her career was essentially thwarted. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's not a great look. Now, obviously, we are all hearing this from Jedward on Twitter. Um, so, you know, you have to take anything that's just kind of put out there on Twitter with a pinch of salt but yeah. um, the fact that people are rolling in behind them does certainly lend it some credibility um, and I think Rebecca Ferguson has been working around this area for a long time and yeah. her basic thing is that you know when people become music musicians and you know popular artists at a young age they don't have a clue so they will sign a contract that is not good for them and that will you know maybe potentially keep them in a in a bad situation for a long time and that yeah. there needs to be kind of advocacy for them and that you know i think that makes sense i
0: mean if you think of the 90s like the it's almost it was a cliche in the 90s of how like um mc hammer had his home taken away from him like tlc got completely screwed over in a deal now tony braxton went bankrupt yeah. like there's just this theme it's sadly not a new thing that there's that thing of like there are clearly people in the music business who don't have the artists back yeah. and then as you say it's young people who, who get fame and money and a lot of attention very quickly. And it can be so overwhelming that they can struggle, but also financially, it's very easy to lose a run of yourself. So there does need to almost be like, I don't know, like a, a a four week cert that you have to get if yeah. you want to release a single or something on both sides. Yeah. Like, if you want to be a music boss? Do here's a, a course. course. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, the false <laughs> course for pop stars might need to happen. I think.
1: Um. Now let's talk about Iggy Azalea because what we don't hear actually, I don't think I've said the name Iggy Azalea in quite a while. <laughs> but what's she been up to?
0: So she's actually got quite a big following online. I think she's segued into being like this kind of t- jokey Twitter troll and doing TikTok videos. I think she's a loyal following, but yeah, definitely in terms of pop, she's sort of on the. back backburner a bit but this week she did something that was kind of funny but I thought had a, a grain of truth to it where she kind of exposed the thirsty celebrities that are in her dms so she posted a tiktok video where you know those things where you can green screen yourself yeah. with a uh, text behind you or a picture behind you and you can kind of so she was dancing around uh blurred out but dms she got from various names on instagram so she what she did was blur out the names and the pictures she couldn't tell it was but she left in their following count or shared mutual followers so like she was getting people with 17 million followers DMing to say they have the biggest crush on her. Another was someone with nine million offering her $15,000 just to sit down and have a chat. Some of the messages were a lot more sexually explicit than that, so I don't want to say them at this time of the day on the radio. One was from someone with 12 million followers just that just said, you a dream baby and she put in the caption haha as if stay out of my DMs uglies now part of me was like some of these are funny and it's also that thing of like I see women talk about this all the time how like you can have 100 followers 100,000 followers 1,000 followers whatever on any platform you can post a picture of oh a nice sunny day someone's in your DMs with an explicit picture or going it's actually not a sunny day that's clouds in the sky or they're harassed like this sort of low level of like commentary and access men want to have to women But like even men with millions of followers who could you could think have any woman in the world are wanting into Iggy's DMs and throwing their weight around, and she's like, "I have my own money. Like I do not need fifteen grand from you for a chat."
1: I would imagine that is happening a lot more than we can even imagine because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter how much money you have. You men are men are men. Well, that's not fair. But this behavior, I would, I don't think it discriminates based on finance. Um. Okay. And then before I let you go, um. The actress who we have known as Fandi Newton is now returning to her birth name, Fandiwe Newton.
0: Yeah, this is really interesting. So, as Fandi Newton, we would know her from Westworld and Crash, and like, you know, a really interesting, very queer for 30 years. Probably one of the most high profile black British female actors ever, really. Yeah. Like, um, so in a new interview for Vogue UK, uh, Fandiwe is on the cover. She talks a lot about her career, her experiences of abuse and kind of calling out the movie business for not being great towards actors but she also talked about how in her first film in 1991 she played a character called Thandiwe but her name there was a mistake with the post-production process and they took out the w so we have seen T-H-A-N-D-I-E for years but it's actually T-H-A-N-D-I-W-E which is a different pronunciation and Tandiwe to what we've been saying all these years and Tandiwe means beloved in Zulu so she's basically said that's my name it's always been my name I'm taking back what's mine and it's interesting because the piece came out there was a great reaction and on social media there was kind of an outpouring of people messaging her saying hey I have had to change or alter my kind of first name or surname for years because people couldn't quote-unquote pronounce it and she kind of said uh, i'm broken wide open by this i was afraid to do it but look at the reaction reclamation is so powerful we have to help each other do the same
1: yeah it's brilliant it's brilliant and i know there's there's a lot of conversation about um i suppose the kind of um whitening of names Mm -hmm. Um, and it's certainly something that I hope ends and and I would never ever want to call someone by a pretend name just because they think it might be easier for me. We have to respect people and respect people's cultures and respect the names that they've been given. Um, It's also
0: funny in Ireland too like some Irish names are actually hard to say for people outside of Ireland so I'm like if people can learn Siobhan and Sinead, my sister called Clodagh who lives in Canada and people never get her name right so it's like I think sometimes like white Irish people Get a bit defensive of this stuff, and I'm like, sorry, you have been abroad and had your yeah. name mangled. Imagine what it was like if it was where you lived every day. Like yeah. it's not actually not our it's actually worth the effort, you know, yeah. to be sound. So oh, yes,
1: I agree. <laughs> I agree. It's literally about being sound. Yes. That, like all of this stuff comes yes. down to just being sound. Are
0: you being sound? Yes, yeah. great. Okay.
1: <laughs> Connor, thank you so much. That's Connor being. Um, we will talk to you again soon. Have a great Cheers. one. Cheers,
0: thank you. Louise McSherry oh. On Two FM.